Hello and welcome to another Imagining Freedom podcast, which is focused on our rights and freedoms. I want to discuss some quite wild and unorthodox ideas today, which is an increasingly difficult thing to do because ideas that are outside mainstream or establishment thought are often under attack, sometimes being categorised as racist or anti-Semitic, even when the speaker did not have that intent, to the extent where some people have lost their jobs as a result of comments that they didn't intend to be offensive to anyone. It does seem a very strange atmosphere for freedom of speech and freedom of thought at the moment. People are subject to self-censorship because they're concerned about saying the wrong thing in this climate. And I'm not talking about having an intent to hurt people. That's a different matter. People who just want to express their views are finding themselves sometimes vilified on social media or belittled and derided. One of the ways of belittling people who dare to think differently from the herd, from the mainstream media opinion, is of course to call them a conspiracy theorist. I think at this time in particular, it's more important than ever before to speak out and not to bother about these kind of slurs. A couple of days ago, the British government introduced a new rule that children at secondary schools have to wear masks in the classroom. I heard this on Twitter, so I've heard it secondhand. I might have got the details slightly wrong, but basically there were a lot of very upset teenagers on Twitter. These are probably people who don't agree with the lockdowns, who have not been wearing masks to go into shops. But when you've got that atmosphere in the classroom and during the teenage years, there's a lot of bullying that goes on, a lot of a lot of peer pressure and it's a very difficult time, a time when people are really sensitive at that age, more sensitive than adults. I think this is so unbelievably cruel. The idea that children are basically having their breath restricted by government. They're having their air quality restricted This is totally, totally outrageous. And it just adds to that atmosphere of oppression that's building up at this time. And I think this is a time when we really, really need to fight against this in ways that, as, as I've said, are thoughtful of other people's feelings because I know that a lot of people have been scared about this pandemic. So we have to be understanding in the way that we fight these tyrannies and instead of getting angry with other people I think we have to fight it in small ways and one of those ways for me is to speak my truth. Another example of this of the way that thought and speech are being really repressed in a way that divides people is when people try and belittle something by relating it to something feminine. I suppose this has been happening for hundreds of years since time immemorial But there was a really surprising example of it recently. I thought it was surprising anyway. When a presenter on LBC, James O'Brien, compared things that Sir Desmond Swain MP had been saying to Euranti Doris's Facebook page, 
this was part of a tirade against what the MP had been saying. So if you disagree with that, fine. But it just seemed pretty sexist, really, to compare it to your, your Auntie Doris's Facebook page. I find this particularly ironic. And I explain why. I was born in February 1962 and my mum, when she was pregnant with me, was prescribed thalidomide for morning sickness. So for people who might be too young to have heard about thalidomide, it was a drug that was very popular for a while. It was given to pregnant women for morning sickness, but it had dreadful effects on the fetuses. Um, Babies were born with arms and legs missing or with tiny hands, tiny arms and legs and other deformities. It was an absolute horrendous tragedy. And I count myself so unbelievably lucky that after a week, my mum decided to stop taking thalidomide. When she told me about this, actually, I was in my my early 30s and it just came up in conversation. I was absolutely astonished and horrified. So I asked my mum, why did you stop taking it? And she said, because your grandma told me never to take any new drugs during pregnancy. Apparently, my grandma had said this a few times and eventually my mum remembered and she stopped taking thalidomide and she ended up hiding the tablets from the health visitor. That seems really surprising to me because my mum was a very intelligent woman. She actually got a, a place at Cambridge to study law and she turned it down because she wanted to study history at Edinburgh University. So she was a smart woman and yet... She had to hide these tablets from the health visitor. She was obviously really concerned about what the health visitor or the doctor might say. And if they had heard about this, if they had known that my mum wasn't taking her tablets, maybe they would have said that she shouldn't be listening to old wives' tales. My grandmother was uneducated. She was born in 1897 and at the age of 13, she started working in a mill like most people of her age in Yorkshire would have done. So she didn't get an education and she worked in the mill until she married my grandfather. And after that, she was a housewife. But she was a very smart woman. In fact, in the 1930s, through, uh, I think it was the adult school, they heard about refugees coming from Germany. And at the time, no one knew really exactly what was happening to Jewish people in the Holocaust They knew they were being persecuted, but they didn't know about the concentration camps. But it was my grandmother who made the decision to take in some refugees. And they had a succession of refugees during the 1930s and 1940s. And we still keep up with some of the families, the descendants of those people. So I consider my grandmother one of the smartest women that I've ever known. And she clearly had a very strong intuition And, by the way, her name was Doris. Women's intuition has often come under attack over the years. I sometimes have this idea. I believe that we, all of us, have masculine attributes and feminine attributes. To some extent, we we have, some people have more of one and less of the other. And so I'm not talking about the difference between men and women in particular, when I say that, I've had this idea for years that uh, maybe eons ago, 
This has come out of reading a lot of Irish or Celtic folk tales and noticing that there were a lot of very powerful women characters in those tales. And quite often they were powerful through the use of what we would call magic. So I started thinking maybe eons ago women were more powerful than men and it was through magic. And there would also have been men who had feminine qualities and were also adept at magic. You hear about wizards, for example, or the character of Merlin in the Arthurian cycle. And maybe eventually those that magic, whatever it was, which we call magic now, but it might have actually been an actual force that we no longer recognise, that we no, no longer understand. And eventually maybe that force was misused. It was used for evil instead of good. And as a result, male characteristics of physical strength became more prominent. And that's been the way ever since. That's just my idea. That I've been thinking about these ideas for years. And I know it might be a load of rubbish, but just it's just something I sometimes meditate on. And I sometimes think that we're coming towards a time where feminine qualities like intuition and lateral thinking are starting to regain importance. But our challenge now is to balance those with the masculine qualities and not to get any one particular type of attribute dominant and particularly not to use those attributes for evil, whether it's sort of physical strength or people talk about men being more logical and rational or lateral thinking and intuition. Those qualities are all good and we should all use them for positive ends. At the moment, we're seeing a lot of war in the Middle East and power being used to dominate other people. And it's getting to such a stage that seems terrifying. And I almost feel as if the earth is actually objecting to this. So that's my sort of spiritual belief that many people would find a bit wacky. But I feel that I want to speak out about these ideas. And as long as I recognise them as my ideas, I don't see there's any problem. Russell Brand said something that really impressed me recently. I was watching him in an interview with Rich Roll, and he said, We don't know what we don't know. It's so obvious to me that as there are limitations to what we can see and hear because of the limits of the instruments through which we receive that information... The limits of the instruments that receive the information are not the limits of the information. He said it so fast. I honestly think that Russell Brand is quite brilliant. He's been through a few phases in the public eye. Years ago, I used to watch him after Big Brother, Channel 4's Big Brother, which I used to be addicted to. It just seems so bizarre that I used to watch when I watched TV and I haven't watched it for years. And then there was a little show after it with Russell Brand. And I used to, think, used to think he was really funny. And then around 2012, he suddenly became this kind of anti-establishment figure. And like a lot of people, I did not take that seriously. I thought, here's a celebrity playing at being a sort of questioning conspiracy theorist and anti-establishment figure. And it just seemed all an act to me. Recently, I started watching his videos again and I've revised my opinion 
I think that he's probably a quirky character, but quite brilliant. And he says these things, he, he comes out with these ideas at such a speed that sometimes it's difficult to even grasp what he's saying. And he said that so quick, so quickly that I had to write it down. We don't know what we don't know. It's so obvious to me that as there are limitations to what we can see and hear because of the limits of the instruments through which we receive that information, the limits of the instruments that receive the information are not the limits of the information. And then he continued, If space is infinite, knowledge is infinite, wisdom is infinite, beingness is infinite. That makes so much sense to me. He's basically saying that how can we reject an idea because the universe is infinite? Ideas that seem crazy are just ideas that we don't yet understand. So here are some ideas that might seem crazy. I think that the planet might be undergoing a pole shift. I used to read about this in sort of psychic books, books that talked about esotericism. I became very interested in all of this. I think as a result of being very ill as a small child, I was close to death on several occasions. Between the age of 18 months and five years old, I had bronchial pneumonia and I was sometimes close to death with this. It was a very serious illness. And because of that, I became very aware of death and very concerned about it. And I really wanted to find out what death was. So during my childhood, I was always badgering my poor parents about this. And of course, they couldn't give me any answers. So I had to try and find out for myself. And I started by reading lots of ghost stories. And then I progressed to horror stories. And then, probably around my late teens and early 20s, I started reading a lot of books about spirituality and esoteric subjects. And I tended to keep this to myself as much as I could because I didn't want to be laughed at. I wasn't exactly sure what I believed in anyway. But one of the ideas that I came across was this pole shift idea. And by the 1990s, I had really lost interest in it. Well, probably by the the mid-1990s, I just thought, well, maybe that's going to happen and maybe it won't. But then around 2000, I was volunteering for a local rescue boat for a while and we learned about navigation. And I learned that magnetic north and true north are two different things when we're talking about the, the North Pole. There's the North Pole, which is the point of the Earth's axis that it spins on. And then there's magnetic north, which is the Earth's magnetic field, the pole of the Earth's magnetic field. And these move in relation to each other. But it has been noticed that they've been getting much, much closer to each other to the extent that all maps used to give calculations, um, give details so that you could calculate your exact position and take this difference of the two poles into account because the magnetic north affects the compass pull. But maps these days don't have to do that because the two points are so close to each other. 
And of course, the subject gets much more fascinating and much more complicated the more you look into it. There have been quite a few articles about this on National Geographic. And in one edition, it says, The North Magnetic Pole seems to be controlled by two patches of magnetic field, one under northern Canada and one under some Siberia. Historically, the one under northern Canada seems to have been stronger, keeping the magnetic pole in its clutches. But recently, that seems to have changed. And apparently the Siberian magnetic patch seems to be currently winning the battle. And there's a quote from the scientist Phil Livermore at the University of Leeds, who says, The Siberian patch looks like it's winning the battle. It's sort of pulling the magnetic field all the way across to its side of the geographic pole. So at the risk of completely bastardising science, it does sound to me as if this could be a pole change taking place. And such a pole change could take place over hundreds or even thousands of years. It could be an extremely slow process. Pole shifts tend to happen every 200,000 to 300,000 years, according to records that are embedded in rocks in the seabed, sediment cores. And the last polar shift that occurred, the last full polar shift, because there have been partial ones apparently over that period where maybe the poles have shifted, but then they've sort of quickly shifted back and quickly could be within a few hundred or thousand years. But the last full polar shift was 780,000 years ago. That figure is interesting because... It can be divided almost exactly by 26,000 years, which is roughly the time of a great year, so-called. The great year, which is apparently 25,772 years, is the period of one complete cycle of the equinoxes around the ecliptic. The ecliptic is the plane of the Earth's orbit around the sun. When these ideas were first discussed, it was a time when astronomy was the same as, considered the same as astrology. So astrologers also recognise the idea of a great year. And they see us as currently moving into the age of Aquarius from the age of Pisces. The length of an astrological great year is 25,860 years. So it's slightly longer but these things take place over such a long time that I think it would be very difficult to pinpoint an exact date for a polar change, if that's what's happening. And it does seem to me that there's something happening on a kind of global scale, electromagnetic scale. Intuitive people, spiritual type people talk about entering the fifth dimension. There's a lot of different ways of describing this. But it does seem to me that there are physical and mental type things happening at the moment. On the physical side, people talk about climate change. Well, certainly the polar ice caps seem to be melting. I think that climate change probably is happening, but I just don't think that humans are responsible for it. I don't think that we are powerful enough to affect the Earth in that way. Maybe we make an impact but I don't think we're responsible for the entire climate, personally speaking. But 
there are definitely signs that the polar ice caps are melting and that could be part of this whole pole shift. Maybe this is due to changes happening at a magnetic level. One of the National Geographic articles about this polar shift says this process of geomagnetic reversal has been doing its thing without much fanfare for eons. But how can the author say without much fanfare? Was she there at the time? I mean, 780,000 years ago or 260,000 years before that? Who knows? We don't know whether this kind of thing can happen in a blip or over a few decades or over a few hundred years or maybe over a couple of thousand years. I have the idea that something is going on something to do with the magnetic field is affecting us. I was thinking about this when I was, I'd been working really hard and I was just exhausted. And I spent a couple of days just lying in my bed, really not doing anything, too tired to even read. But I started thinking about writing of all things because it was at that time that I was thinking about my podcast and really wanting to get, to get on with it, but I was just too tired. And I'd noticed that when I had ideas, sometimes when I had ideas, I would start writing them down and immediately they would sort of evaporate almost in the same way as when you wake up in the morning and you've been having a vivid dream. But as soon as you're awake, you forget what the dream was about. It's so annoying. I just started thinking what a left brain activity writing is because left brain the left side of the brain or the left hemisphere of the brain is said to influence the right side of the body and the right side of the brain influences the left side of the body. And I was thinking about how writing is an act that translates right brain thought into left brain, possibly. Maybe it's no coincidence that writing, spelt W-R-I-T-I-N-G, is considered the same as writing, spelt R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, because people who were left-handed were traditionally taught to write with the right hand and they were sort of forced to do it, often through bullying by school teachers. It's almost a kind of corrective process. When we're little, when we're very small, I think little kids have very creative thought. But when they get to school, that creativity is quite often repressed. And sometimes it seems to me that writing, or R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, might be a part of this, might be part of that process. Writing is something that establishes us in the current modern world, in the conventional world. I was thinking about all this and about left-handedness. I'm right-handed, but I'm quite interested in the idea of being left-handed and how left-handed people have traditionally been sort of marginalised. Even the word left, in French, it means gauche. In many languages, it means something that is related to awkwardness, whereas right, the word right is related to something that is straight. That's where it derives from. And that's where the word writing derives from. And it's also seen as something correct. And apparently, I've read that there are more left-handed people these days. 
Not many more. I think it's still the numbers are still around 10% of the population. But it's interesting that there are more left-handed people in different countries and different parts of the world. Arabic is written from right to left, Arabic text, whereas English text is written from, or Roman text is written from left to right. Just thinking about these things is fascinating. Even the idea of polarity, I definitely think that transgender people have been around since time immemorial. I mean, if you look into history of many different cultures, you'll find people who change their sex for various reasons. But there does seem to be a lot of discussion of transgenderism now, which is a good thing, mostly. I don't really like it when it goes into the realm of etiquette. But people are discussing the issue. There are a lot of people around who are questioning the sex that they were born with. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's because we're currently in a time when that it's possible to do that. Whereas in the old days, people who did that would have to keep it quiet. They would be repressed. But I also wonder whether there is more actual questioning generally about sexuality. Maybe that's something to do with this change in polarity, this magnetic shift that might be taking place. Just something that interests me. Maybe even the numbers of autistic people, maybe that's related to this. I know that there's, this is a very controversial thing to say because a lot of people say that it's just that we're recognising aut- autism more and that's probably true. Also, there are probably many different factors that go into autism. It's something that we're only, only just starting to learn about. But that could also be something to do with the, the shift in magnetic fields polarity. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. These are just ideas that fascinate me at the moment. When I think about these ideas, even when I want watch Infinite Waters, Ralph Smart, I follow him on YouTube, I find him very uplifting and I don't agree with every single thing he says, but I really like watching him and listening to him. I find his words very thought-provoking and he talks a lot about moving into this fifth dimension. And sometimes it makes me, it, sometimes it gives me a picture of this world where, or this universe, more to the point, where things are changing at a fundamental level. There are enormous, enormous changes going on in the forces that make up our universe. And that's affecting us all. Within that, all this massive, massive universe, when you think of Carol Sagan, he did this photograph called The Pale Blue Dot, showing how insignificant we are in the universe. Just Google The Pale Blue Dot. It's really fascinating. It makes you think. And within that, there are a group of people who want to dominate, who are super ambitious, who want to have power. I'm not just meaning the Illuminati, I'm not meaning a group that might rule the world, I'm meaning the whole establishment, people who are leaders everywhere, who are clinging to the old world, to the old way of things, who don't want to be called a crank or a conspiracy theorist, who are desperately seen, wanting to be seen as conforming to the establishment ideas. Sometimes I look at that and look at people being so terrified by what the establishment are saying And you think, this is happening 
on such a relatively small scale compared to the vast universe, compared to animals in nature who have no clue of what's going on, of what we humans are fretting about. It all seems so relatively ridiculous, you know? And I wonder whether there are some magnetic changes that are going on in people that are exacerbating this basic fear and panic that people have. I find the whole thing fascinating. And it's, it is a shift. It's about shifting your focus from that internalised view of the six o'clock news and what, what someone on the six o'clock news or some celebrity is telling you to panic about, to freak out about, and shifting it outwards to the vastness of the universe and thinking, I don't know whether this is actually a polar shift going on or what's happening. No one has gone through this moment before. But I think we're living in exciting times, actually. And it's just a case of our perspective, how we are viewing things, that can really affect our, our sense of freedom even our sense of who we really are. So coming back to this idea that children in school should be compelled to wear masks over their faces, maybe to protect the teacher, that to me is so fundamentally wrong. And it's up to those children to decide whether they're going to do that or not. But the idea that children who are basically at an age where they need to be protected by adults, the idea that children should have their air supply restricted to protect an older person, to me that goes against life itself. Evil is live written backwards. I think we really need to think about what obedience is and what disobedience is, why we are behaving as we do. I was being deliberately disobedient recently and I came face to face with a beautiful deer and I got a lovely photograph of it because it was just standing staring at me. It was probably wondering whether I was going to try and shoot it or whether I was going to try and give it some food. I've been thinking about that deer because it knows absolutely nothing about any virus that's going on. It knows nothing about rules or regulations. It just lives its life. I'm not saying that's better or worse than what we do, but it's just looking at things from a different perspective. If you've enjoyed listening to my podcast, please subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. If you'd like to make a comment, download a transcript or view the show notes, go to imaginingfreedom.co.uk. Thanks for listening.